Hello, and welcome to what we are officially going to call episode one of the Footy A to Z podcast. We've tried this and failed at it a few times before, but this time we're committing to a run of podcasts. This is episode one. Zach, you excited about it? Yes, I am excited. We were just making the joke before that the uh, the best time to start a season-long podcast is round one, which was the original plan, but the second best time is now. So here we are at round five, uh, recording Match of the Week podcast, episode one. Uh, tell us tell us what the, what the idea is and, and what we're going to be doing on this. Yeah, so uh, the idea behind this podcast, like you said, was originally going to start in round one, um, but starting, starting now in round five, um, we're going to loosely structure it around a deep dive into one game every week. Um, so we'll have this kind of introductory segment, we'll talk a bit about what's going on in the footy world before launching into a game, um, yeah. doing a bit of a, a deep dive and analysis of you know why we thought the team that won won, um, what worked, what didn't work for each team. Um, and then kind of maybe try and ground it, especially as the season goes on a bit more, into the context of how those teams are, go- uh, how those teams are going so far this year. Um, yeah, so we sat down in round one. Uh, we watched Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs. For the second time in a row. For the second time in a row. <laughs> we were very excited. We watched lots of detailed notes. Uh, we wrote lots of detailed notes, I should say. Uh, and then life happened and we never got around to recording. No. But we're at it again uh, for this week. But before we get on to this week's game, I don't want to let that can be, be a complete waste of time. So what was your very quick takeaway from round one, Melbourne versus the Western Bulldogs? Did you like having the grand final rematch open the season? I didn't. Um, and maybe it's the Richmond supporter in me uh, being a, a little bit cut yeah. that um, we couldn't open the season with Carlton. Um, but yeah, just from a pure, pure football perspective... I think the feeling was that it felt rushed on the Wednesday. It was like Thursday's that good balance of um, you're building ante- anticipation all week, but yep. you don't have to wait all the way till Friday. Yeah. Wednesday, it was like, oh my God, it's seven o'clock and I'm not home yet and the footy's starting. And I think we, yeah, we watched the game even a little bit delayed anyway. Um, but from the grand final replay perspective as well, just mix it up a little bit. Let the let the anticipation build. If you want the grand final rematch to be a big thing, um, then just pick it for a different round and just start mm. start making it a thing now. Um, build towards felt it. Felt a little bit forced round one. Yeah. Um, it didn't help that it was almost exactly the same game as the was. grand final <laughs> yes. as well. Well, was it? Melbourne started well. The Western Bulldogs got in front. Um, and then Melbourne came back and just won the game. Fairly convincingly in the yeah. end, uh, with with midfield dominance and strong clearance and and spread around the stoppage. So, yep. yeah. Anyways, that's not the game we're actually here to talk about. Um, we were going to talk about Collingwood and Brisbane, which we we just watched last night. But before we jump into that, uh, we did want to give a quick update on our Patreon tipping comp. Uh, so. As some of you may know, our patrons who are our beautiful supporters of the channel are competing against each other for the the prize to pick a video topic for us to make. Uh, if you if you haven't seen it, Patrick pit, picked the topic uh, this year after winning last year's comp, and that was on Essendon and their mm-hmm. their road in and out of the saga. Uh, good, at the, good topic. Yeah, good good topic, and and thanks for your help on that, Patrick. Um, North, not the club, the person. A good friend of the channel and patron, and patron is leading the comp. 
uh, behind, well, in front of us. Uh-huh. And then in third is probably the octopus. Tell us about the octopus. Yeah, so the octopus is basically... I think Zach and I in the past have discussed that sometimes footy tipping feels more like luck than strategy. Um, so inspired by the famous Paul the Octopus who predicted the FIFA World Cup results a few years ago, we've created our own fictional octopus to tip every game before the season actually starts. Uh, and currently doing very well up in third place. So yeah, and we're, we're going to have to figure out what we do if the octopus wins because it just <laughs> invalidates all footy tipping contests here on out, here on after, I think. Yeah, I think just disband footy tipping altogether <laughs> as a result. Yeah, and that's on margin as well. So it's North 25, us 24, and the octopus 24, but uh, the octopus isn't so good at picking margins. It's, it's fun pitfall. Um, do we have an, an indication from North? an early indication about what he might like his video topic to be. Yeah, well, North is a big Saints fan, um, who I actually know personally. Um, and he's he's earmarked from a pretty early date that he's keen to know all about Jack Steele. And uh, these, these are his words, um, why Jack Steele is, is the best player in the <laughs> AFL. Well, he I'm started not... the season brilliantly again this year, <laughs> yeah. so not the most outlandish claim in the world. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure we'll go down that exact route, but something about Jack Steele is on the cards at the moment. Great. All right. Well, if you're a Saints fan, get around North and hope he continues this charge. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, a uh, big thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. We're, we're very much appreciative of your support. If, if you do want to support us, um, help us do some, hopefully more of these podcasts and get some more of those animated videos out. It's the, the best way you can support the channel. The second best way you can support the channel, of course, like, subscribe and share the videos with your friends. Um, and that also means the world to us. Absolutely. As well. <clears throat> Alrighty. Well, uh, I think that's that's kind of us stumbling through the intro by now. And, yeah, um... we've done better than we normally do, I think, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. If you're new here, uh, we do this thing from time to time. Every now and then we decide it's a good idea for us to sit in front of a camera. Uh, we've had some mixed results. Yeah, we... Some of them have gone alright, some of them have been train wrecks. But hopefully this season, if we can do this almost every round, hopefully every round, knock on the table, um, if we can do this regularly, we'll hopefully get better at it. And we're really keen on your feedback um, as to how it all goes as well. Yeah. Alrighty. But yeah. Should we, should we press on to Collingwood Brisbane? Yeah. So um, it was... Which turned out to be a really interesting game. Yeah, absolutely. It was was um, definitely exceeded expectations, I'd say, with um, Brisbane 15-8, 98 defeating Collingwood 14791. Um Collingwood kind of just rocked up to play, which which made it an exciting game. Yeah, I've been really impressed. <clears throat> sorry, really impressed by the Pies so far this year. Um, and we were kind of having a bit of a chat just about the season in general before we started recording about how, with the exception I think of Melbourne looking really good and, and Brisbane now starting to look really good, you kind of have no idea where any other team's gonna finish. Yeah, so Baron and Collingwood definitely fall into that category. Yeah, I mean, you could probably chuck Geelong into the top four category again. Um, definitely going to be thereabouts. But yeah. that that four till ten, even twelve range is wide open. Yeah, really there for the taking. And I don't think we're really going to know what that's going to start to look like for another five rounds still. Even uh, yeah, a lot of teams that are hard to read. Um, but Collingwood coming out strong, they were really good out of the middle in the first quarter, mm-hmm. um, playing with kind of brave direct ball movement, taking it on, um, and they did skip out to an early lead. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what your opinion was, but it felt like they could have been further in front as well. 
to open the match. Yeah, definitely. And I think we'll probably talk about this a lot over the next course of this podcast because it was one of the main themes, but they moved the ball forward really well and then looked a little bit like they were lacking that finish in the forward line. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, structurally, well, they went with Kruger and Cox as, as the main tools. Uh, Majacek was out, of yep. course, who I think he was their leading goal kicker coming into the match. No Jamie Elliott in the side either. No Jamie Elliott and Ginevan, who was their second leading goal kicker, was also out. Um, and then they, they also dropped Henry, who I think was third coming into the right. game. So a very young and experienced forward line who haven't really played a lot with each other. Uh, a bit of a shining light, though, was McInnes, Reef McInnes, number 26 for the Pies. Yeah, I thought McInnes uh, started really well. I mean, I personally spent the first five minutes of the game getting him confused with both Dacos brothers. I didn't really know what was going on. Um, and then got him confused with Finn McGuinness, who plays for Hawthorne <laughs> as well. But once I finally figured out who he was, uh, I was quite impressed by what I saw um, from Reef McInnes. <clears throat> Reef McInnes. McInnes. Yes. Um, yeah, it looked really good. Really lively. I, of course, you know, when you said Collingwood maybe could have been further in front, he missed a couple of goals that maybe could have given them that lead, but otherwise was was really lively. Yeah, and I think that was that was confidence for him and it would come as well because, yeah. you know, a couple of easy shots from not very difficult angles, but he kicked a really nice one from a bit further out yeah. towards the end of the match. So, yeah. yeah, excited to see what he can kind of grow into and really fits that exciting kind of hybrid mold of the the athletic 190-ish centimetre mm. kind of mid-sized forward who just does a little bit of everything. He almost reminds me a, a bit of, of Will Hosking Elliott as well. Um, athletic, can lead up at the ball, but can also crumb. Um, nice finisher. When he, yeah. when, he, when he got going, he finished a nice sort of crumbing goal. Um, so yeah, with that, that confidence... Um, can definitely see a lot more to come from him. Nathan Kruger was another one that the Pies went with. What did you make of his game? Yeah, like he definitely threw the body around, but um, him and Cox probably both just kind of lacking that just kind of natural lead-up yep. ability that we, we really saw out of Danaher and, and McStay for the Lions. Um, it was just like a, a pretty direct comparison that when you think about... Um, Collingwood not quite being clinical, like they they had more inside fifties, I think, um, fifty four to sixty two in their favour than Brisbane did. But the Lions just played a good lead up game. Charlie Cameron even getting hit hit up on the lead. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they just weren't quite straightened up by by someone like Majacek, um, who who like they had been in previous weeks. So both teams, and I think this is one of the reasons why this was such a great game to watch. It wasn't always great from a skills perspective. There were there were parts of the game where it did become a little bit scrappy, but throughout that, both teams very willing to take the game on and, and go through the corridor and attack directly. Um, Craig McRae has got Collingwood playing in a very aggressive attacking way, which is which is great to see. And of course, you know we know the Lions have been one of the most exciting direct teams in the competition. Uh, for the last few years, scoring very, very highly. So both teams trying to do a very similar thing. And it was just that finishing, that that final kick inside 50, where you had blokes like, yeah, Danaher, even Jared Berry a few times, just leading straight at the footy. Yeah. Um, and able to take those grabs. 
Whereas Collingwood maybe looked like they were searching for a target yeah. a few times. And I think a, a, a bit of a lesson in patience from the Lions as well. Like Collingwood in the opening rounds of the season have kind of really been criticised for just blazing away at times. And, you know, it's all well and good to play exciting football and get the ball moving forward. But, like, when an easy option is on, like, still being willing to take it. Yeah. Um, just because it's not necessarily the way you want to play. It's it's just like a better, better ball movement. And, and Brisbane were really willing to kind of be a bit more patient from half back to half forward. And that probably lent to them being able to manufacture better chances as well, despite Collingwood's defence actually playing quite well. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both remarked that we thought Howe and Moore both had quite good games, but we also thought Danaher had quite a good game. Yeah. Um, and that's one of those weird things that can happen in a game of footy sometimes where both the key backs and the key forwards play well, especially in modern footy where it's not that one-on-one battle the whole game. Yeah. Um, you get more of a chance, you know, to impact as an intercept defender. Even if the key forward gets away from you, maybe you're not playing on him all the time, so it doesn't reflect as badly on you. Um, of course, the Pies threw Darcy more forward late, maybe to, to try and straighten them up a little bit more um, and, and get that scoring presence up forward. And and if you do have to do that, then like that's probably just another another sign that Cox and Kruger are maybe not the most most cohesive duo. If when the the game is on the line and they're to be one, that you um go with Darcy Moore instead. Yeah. So just to, to round it off, you know, we had four goals for Danaher, but Howe still took nine marks. Darcy Moore still took seven marks. Um, so yeah, a, a really interesting battle to watch that up forward, and and one that was was quite entertaining. Danaher, of course, um, four goals won, so making the most of his opportunities, which was great to see in him as well. It's just great to have a fit Joe Danaher yeah. jumping at the ball in the competition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just looks good from outside 50, um, unwinding that long leg, and yeah, just just great to see him playing footy, as you said. Uh, one thing that we noticed a lot for both teams, and it, it has been a theme throughout the entire year that I really wanted to, to kind of take the time to discuss is not the word stand, but the the well the two words outside five. Yes. Um, so so what is outside five, and, and why do we keep hearing it so much? Yeah, it's a weird one. Everyone complained about constantly hearing stand in their microphones last year, and it's changed to to outside five. Um, the idea here basically is you know that protected area that we've all come to know and love uh, over the course of the last few years. Um, you know, extends five meters around the mark, so. If you don't want to stand the mark, you can stand five meters away from the mark. And move. And move is the critical thing. Um, so we're seeing teams do this mostly in their back half, um, where rather than, and you know, if a mark's taken out wide, the idea of the stand rule is that that player gets sucked to the mark, it opens up the 45 degree angle kick behind them, or it opens up space for a player running past, who they can then feed the handball to. Um, Something, you know, we've talked about a lot, both in our um, Did the Stand Rule Work video and our original breakdown of when that rule was introduced. If you want to go have a look at those for a bit more of a a, a discussion on, you know, why the Stand Rule is supposed to, to do what it, uh, supposed to, you know, increase scoring and, and increase the flow of the game. So what we're seeing teams do now is abandon the mark, stand five metres away from it inside the corridor, and you can now move to block that short chip inside or move to block the runner coming past. Yeah. Um, and it's having a really interesting effect. Um, yeah, because it does 
obviously counteract a lot of those things that the stand rule was brought in to do. But at the same time, you know, retreating five meters back gives the bloke with the ball a bit more time to make a decision. Um, yeah. And a bit more space to do that as well. So it, it can still continue to open up the game a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, it does make the stand rule maybe start to look a little bit silly. Yeah, it's just really quite undermining it. I think the, and the team is saying the, the worst thing that can possibly happen, which is, um, you know, kind of counterintuitive to perhaps what footy fans want to see, is that the ball is moving quickly into their defence. Yep. So it's really about, you know, we might be giving the ball, the current ball carrier, a, a kick under less pressure, but it's better to delay that kick from happening, get the defence set up, than it is for them to be able to just shoot a handball off to someone flying past. And there you go into into the back line before you've got your zone set up. Can you imagine anything worse? It really, um, it's almost maybe a bit of a safety thing as well. I mean, we saw a couple um, in the Richmond Bulldogs game last week. I, I think it was Aaron Norton, but I could be wrong, where a player, you know, would run past the mark to receive that handball and he would just instinctively take that step towards it. Yes. And give away the stand rule 50. And that 50 is such a harsh penalty. You know, when it takes a player from from on the wing to inside 50 and a shot at goal potentially. So it could be that teams have also identified that it's less risky to stand five meters away than it is to stand on the mark and not give that penalty away. Yeah, yeah. And I think it it was Dion Prestia absolutely dummied one. Mm. Um, I can imagine the exact scenario. And it's... Happened a lot and players keep trying to do it. Once you learn an easy way to get 50, why wouldn't you just keep keep trying to do it? And that's that's probably just another criticism of the rule in the end. But yep. that's something that, that it has become a problem. Uh, that's probably kind of enough about mo- mostly Collingwood. What did what did you make of Brisbane? What what kind of um what started badly for them? Why were they behind? Um kind of hard to put your finger on it. I think Still side bottom side of the game really well um, and was able to kind of get that space and overlap out wide for Collingwood. Um, it took maybe Lockie Neal a bit of time to work himself into the game too. Obviously, Pendlebury went to him early and looked to shut him down around stoppages, which is possibly not a matchup that he was expecting, um, but, but one no. that footy fans would have loved, I think. Um, but he was definitely able to work himself into the game a bit more as time went on and, and started giving them a lot more drive going forward i thought yeah i think they they absolutely would have taken neil's output in the first quarter until he went and, and kind of kicked a goal to to steady brisbane a little bit and yep. he, he didn't really look back from there i thought the lions players were actually quite good at um helping him as well like straight away from the first quarter and you know it's easy to be critical of teams who just let the tagged player just kind of suffer yeah um and while that might be an, an unselfish strategy to let other players off the chain, McCluggage was straight into Pendlebury. He'd try and man him, disrupt Collingwood's structure a little bit and just create a little bit of chaos that Neil could kind of es- escape into and just do what he does, collect the ball and, and distribute it. Yeah. Um, Brisbane getting on top in the midfield as well probably leads to those higher class forward entries. Yeah. Um, I think it was 13... Uh, Brisbane to eight Collingwood marks inside 50s despite Collingwood having a lot more inside 50s so yeah just ahead of the ball um, getting out in space and and the midfield working really well to to provide good options for the forwards definitely 
And that that midfield group, I think, of Brisbane, and kind of like you're saying, you know, with McCluggage going to Pendlebury, seemed to have developed a way to really support each other. And if one of them doesn't fire well, um, you know, Lions, as an example, maybe didn't have the most impactful game that he's ever had, but they didn't need him to because Neil was firing, Zorko was firing, McCluggage himself still managed to find plenty of the ball and have a really good impact. Yeah, and and Lions with a what Luke Hodge called a very rare chase down tackle on <laughs> Scott Pendlebury himself as yes. well. So maybe a, a photo of that going up in the pool room <laughs> for Jared Lyons. But despite Collingwood kind of starting strong um, and going going out to that lead um, and the game only finishing with a, a seven point deficit, Brisbane really kind of managed the game quite well once they established that 20-point lead and mm. seemed like they were, were just good at keeping the pies at arm's length. Yeah. The last quarter, it felt like Brisbane had it under control and they knew what they were doing. I think, you know, Collingwood got those two goals. I think they kicked the last two goals in the last two or three minutes of the game. Um, and, you know, even though it got back to a two-goal, the last one kicked right on the final siren. So, so even though it was back to a a two goal and then a one goal game it never really felt like Collingwood were charging towards a comeback like no that. and and also like it was just anytime Collingwood seemed to have a chance and it was like all right this is going to be the play that gets them back into the game it just wouldn't quite work out like yep. a, another Darcy Moore one that just didn't quite get to him um and just kind of fumbled over the line and yeah, it was just just a, a pretty strong performance from Brisbane who, who really looked to be cementing themselves as a top four side again in 2022. I think it was, it was good to see from the Alliance perspective as well, you know, as a team that's now been on the rise for, for several years, has, has made a few prelims but hasn't managed to break through. There's been a lot of hype around them during this time. Um, lots of great young talent. This really felt like a, a performance from a mature team. I think once they got in front, they held that 20-point buffer pretty much until the last two minutes of the game when they knew that it was one anyway. Um, so that maturity just to be able to grind out a win against a team like Collingwood who've been playing some really good footy um, so far this year and, and you know, have these really hungry young players in the side who, who would desperately want to win. Yeah. Well. Um, obviously, one of those goals kicked right at the end of the game as well was, was Jordan Dugowie with a beautiful banana. Uh, from the boundary line again from an outside five kind of thing with the Lions manning the mark on the inside rather than standing right on the boundary line um but what did you make of Dugowie's game four goals 20 possessions is this did he kick four in the end he kicked four in the end yeah yeah is is this what we should be expecting from Jordan Dugowie week to week I think it has to be and I think that's the role that he has to play Collingwood like I think Nick Dacos started the game really well but probably went out of it for a little bit so if you're looking at Collingwood's midfield and yes you've got Pendlebury who's just perpetually consistent but um you know he he gets a year older every 365 days as we all do but like (laughs) funny that Dugowie really has to be that kind of number one player in the midfield and he's taking that role pretty well um, to start the year, obviously, yeah. had some off-field drama over the preseason, but seems to have bounced back and really has his head down working hard for the club. I'd almost challenge you on that and, and say it's not necessarily that he needs to be the number one player in the midfield all the time, but he's definitely the person who can go into that midfield and really be impactful, I think. Um, 
Like, we didn't see him play huge midfield minutes, but he had a few centre clearances when he went in there. Um, put on a few big hip and shoulders when he got up the ground and got them moving forward. Um, so I think if he can if he can pick and choose his moments and be impactful when he's in there, and then still press forward and get his four goals. Yeah. Um, again, another one where this game was kind of weird in that lots of things happened. I think, you know, one of those goals came late. One of them was from a 50-meter penalty. Um, so maybe it didn't feel quite like a dominant four-goal performance, but he still definitely did his best to keep himself in the match throughout the whole match, um, which is one thing we've seen from Dugowie before. You know, he pops up for moments here and there. Yeah. Um, but a bit more of a, a consistent performance. Uh, another thing we should discuss is um, Gardner's bump on Nick Dacos as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was pretty terrible, basically. Yeah, like, not, not a good look. Um, Gardner got stuck in a fair bit I think throughout this game yeah um I was kind of starting with that incident obviously the Collingwood players rightfully were not happy with it um and he had a few other little altercations throughout the match but I think what it did show was that Gardner and Andrews as a pair were not willing to give up any sort of cheap goals or cheap possessions to those Collingwood forwards um yeah and almost that bit of, you know, that edge coming into their game um, shows how I think the, these Lions, this Lions team is really evolving into a, a bit more of a fierce competitive team. Um, guys like Mitch Robinson and Dane Zorko, of course, have always been kind of flying the flag in that kind of way. Um, but yeah, it really felt like the Lions were were not going to be bullied on their home ground and, and were really out to, to make Collingwood earn every, every goal and every possession. Yeah, absolutely. I think like good sides have to have an element of that well, I guess it, it is kind of just aggression a little bit and you know the, the confidence to, to just throw your body around a little bit but um, yeah I just don't think that that's necessarily the, the, the way that we want to see that kind of thing no, kind of service in the game obviously we don't condone a bloke getting flattened as he's going back with the flight no right after his um, and yeah I think the ball looked like it was in Dacos's hands before Gardner even chose to jump mm. and and start the bump. So yeah, won't won't be surprised at all if he if he gets weeks and um or a week at least and and I think think he deserves it to be honest. Yeah. Um, I heard a, a couple of people comparing it to when Mason Cox came flying in with his knees and how's that any less dangerous? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm not entirely sure. I think Mason Cox is just a bit of a, bit of a, a clumsy guy i think it's the intent is yeah. the, the issue where yeah cox is big he's jumping he's a bit ungainly and sure his knees are going to fly around a bit but i don't think he was actively looking to take anyone out whereas gardner has lined someone up from 20 meters away had plenty of time to pull out um and despite all that just decided to go straight through him yeah i think that's a good distinction cool um yeah that's Probably probably all I really have to say about the game from a tactical point of view. Um, enjoyed it. Would watch again. <laughs> um, Brisbane and Collingwood, maybe we'll discuss you in another another future week. We've just realised as well, um, before we, we do wrap up, uh, we should just make mention of Jack Crisp as well. because um, our, our All-Australian by the stats captain. Yes. Um, so we have big raps on him and we love to see him do well. That was in the back line, though, and he's, he's now venturing into the midfield a bit more. So when, when we were saying, or I was saying at least, that Dugowie kind of has to take that number one midfielder mantle, 
Maybe he doesn't because of how well Jack Crisp is playing. Or is it 35 disposals or something in the end? Yeah, and Crisp is an interesting one because obviously he, he has kind of alternated between that rebounding backman versus midfield position. Um, but looked really good at times bursting through the, the centre of the ground and, and really gives Collingwood some good run, I think, when he gets higher up. So yeah. it, it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on him and see how he's used, um, especially as Craig McRae looks to be playing a more sort of run and carry aggressive attacking style. Um, Jack Crisp, yeah, could be a, a really good re- really good weapon for him. Yeah, just d- doesn't necessarily have to play any differently, but just do it a little bit higher up the ground and, and send the ball forward. Even possibly Quena's development as well, kind of doing similar things to what Crisp was doing down back mm. uh, in the previous couple of years. He's coming along really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. It was, it was also interesting to see. I, I know we talked a bit about McGuinness at the start. Um, but the small forwards from, from Brisbane's perspective were really interesting this game as well. A very quick shout out to, to Zach Bailey, who I thought had a really good game with three goals. Uh, Charlie Cameron, obviously a bit quiet, only the, the one goal for him. Still, you know, impacted lots of pressure and that kind of thing at, at ground level, but um, Bailey was able to, to pop up and, and be a leading option at times for the Lions as well. Um, so I think to have both of them working really well in that forward line and working off Danaher and McStay... Um, yeah, showed, showed how dangerous the Lions can be when they get that quick ball movement going. Yeah, and, and lots of question marks on that Lions forward line with Eric Hipwood going down at the start of the year too. Yeah. So, yeah, overall impressed with, with how they've kind of pulled that together. Mm. Danaher almost staying a bit deeper looks good for them, whereas McStay took a lot of marks around half forward um, and looked to be more of that outlet kick for them. Um, so, yeah, one of those ones where it's, you know, you lose a key player and you have to adapt almost in it it can have that effect of bringing up some of the other players in the team. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I reckon that's a match of the week, round five, episode one. Yes. Probably probably wrapped up from an, an analysis point of view. Yeah, a really interesting match. Um, Lions look great once again, and, and Collingwood continue to, to impress and surprise this season, I think, with the, the main takeaways from that. Yeah. Keep an eye out uh, next week. Uh, as we said, we are going to be doing the Giants and St Kilda on Friday night so catch the game if you want to get involved with the discussion uh, leave a comment on what you thought of this podcast taking suggestions and um, keen to kind of gauge uh, if everyone is, is keen to see more of this uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna throw some at you regardless whether <laughs> you want it or not um, but always keen to, to hear the, your voice um, as well and keep an eye out for the opportunity to vote on what game we do so weeks where our our schedule is looking a little bit more flexible and we can kind of juggle um, around with a couple of games and we're not sure which one to choose. Uh, that's where, where you'll come in and um, that could appear either as a, a poll just for our patrons um, to give them a, a little treat and a thank you or also just to appear as a, a community post here on YouTube. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to do a little bit of both of those things as the season goes on. Um, and we will endeavour to spread these out amongst the teams as much as we possibly can too. Awesome. Great. Otherwise, in case you forgot, I have been Zach and this has been Andreas. Hello. And um, thanks for watching. Bye. See ya. <laughs>